The Kansas City Chiefs might have all of their most important players on the field in week two against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, what an incredible time to be alive. That'd probably be weird, though. We'll talk about it. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Only Weird Games, formerly known as Time's Ours. It's a rare and standalone non-weird kickoff time for the Kansas City Chiefs, Sunday at noon against the Jags. That feels like old times. Everything else about this season, this week, and this game, appropriately odd, at least for this show itself. Welcome to Only Weird Games here on KC Sports Network. I'm Joshua Briscoe with Seth Kaiser and Nate Taylor. Fellas, we made it to the end of this week, more or less. It's Thursday as we go live here across the KCSN uh, YouTube and socials where you can watch the show. We're doing this live every time right now, 4.30 Mondays and Thursdays. I should mention that if you're listening on the podcast feed later on. Or if you think you can only uh, catch a little bit of the show live, make sure you check out the KCSN Chiefs podcast feed. For us, the lab, a whole bunch more. Guys, how are we feeling right now with the Jags right around the corner? Chris Jones is on the field. And I'm going to say that the incentives we have in our contract are likely to be earned today. I have watched tape of the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's where we are, guys. I have actually watched tape of the opponent, which I didn't look at anything Lions related before the first game of the season. Because there was there were things really going on there, uh, Josh. Busy time. And of course, it's it's nice to, uh, it's nice to see new game film. Um, so I'm sure it's a pleasure for the coaches. Although I guess for the Chiefs, it's not as enjoyable because obviously they're coming off a loss. But you know, obviously Andy Reid and his staff have you know nine days to prepare for this. With yes, the assumption that two of their best players are going to be on the field. Uh, that being Travis Kelsey who looks uh, pretty normal from what I can tell uh, in the open portions of these practices uh, today, Thursday, and obviously yesterday, Wednesday. And Chris Jones, whose presence alone should help the defense. Now, what he can do in in Sunday's game will be obviously a fascinating subplot. Uh, But yeah, it's nice to know that the Chiefs are only missing one guy on their roster, Seth. And he's still got another five-week just break in case of emergency, you know, little, I guess not little, but it's a suspension that um, does not have to do with football. It has to do with the personal conduct policy. Just want Charles Amenehu and Chris Jones rushing the passer next to each other. So, by the way, Nate, I really appreciate that you said my name. And so those who are, you know, well, for one, even people who are just listening could hear me clacking away, I'm sure. But like, (laughs) Nate, Nate was like, man, Seth is not with us. Like, he is, <laughs> he is he is not even remotely paying attention to a thing that's being said. And I confess that is true because I just read Ari's tweet of the My Sports Update account. The NFL plans to crack down on a legal tackle alignment starting this week following the debacle in week one with Chiefs right tackle Jawan Taylor. Per Matt Vertigo, some Matt B. Yeah. I know, Matt. That's I'm doing a thing, Nate. Let me no, know. Oh, no, no, oh, Seth. Track don't 
Correct, Nate. That was I actually don't need to finish my sentence because Nate went ahead and elbow dropped the rest of it for me. Oh yeah, with my track. Dang it. I've never heard you say his name correctly the first on first mention ever. Have. Anyway, so this was highlighted on the weekly training tape, which was sent to all 32 clubs and officials. We are officially at the point where everyone is going to actively pretend like this has not been going on for years. We've reached that point. We have reached the point. Oh, boy. That it's, <laughs> I dropped my phone. dropping stuff. I dropped my phone. You know what? No, ah. I'm not doing the joke. I'm not. Hey, you got some reps in you this weekend, buddy? Yeah, yeah, do you get that get on that jugs machine? We really are at the point where people are going to pretend something is real just because because it got talked about. The only and I, I quote tweeted and said the only debacle was the booth acting like this was new. That was it. This has been going on in every NFL game for years. And now now when Lane Johnson was doing it all through the playoffs last year, anyone want turn on the Super Bowl tape and watch Lane Johnson. And I don't begrudge him that. Watch Mitch Schwartz do it in the 2019 Super Bowl. But no, 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 no. It was a debacle. <laughs> I am so, we, we live, and I mean this in a very specific context and I'm not talking at all politically, people. We live in a social media day of 1984. If enough people just say something, it's apparently true. A debacle. A debacle. And look, Ari does good work. I like him. I'm not trying to pick on him. Right. But, but like this idea, like people were seriously acting like there weren't articles that came out about this during the playoffs last year. Like Joey Bosa didn't try to fight a referee yeah. because of that last year. We're just pretending none of it happened. This to me, maybe the reason I'm freaking out so much about it. For one, because now poor Taylor is going to end up with like six false start calls on Sunday. I hope he comes out and plays the exact same way he has for years and just dares him. I disagree. I hope the first rep, he doesn't move. I hope he just stays in his stance and lets everything happen around him until Mahomes gets sacked or the ball gets thrown, and then he just starts doing his little jitterbug. Yeah, just, yeah. well, and that's, you know, um, there was a really good point made by, by Seren Petra when I was on his show where he said, you know, Taylor's so fast, he really doesn't need to get that good a jump, which is true. But also, I think because he's already, he's got an incredible kick step. He is so fast. And I think that's why it's so noticeable with him, because he's so far ahead. He's just sitting there waiting. He's like, anyway, this the reason this fires me up so much is this is exactly like when the Chiefs were doing their whole nobody believed in us, everyone was saying we we're having a rebuilding year thing, which was a lot of fun. I engaged in it. And then some people tried to pretend that no one said that about that. Jeez. <laughs> SB Nation, my old stomping ground. Shout out to you guys. Appreciate the opportunity to break into the industry and all the stuff for over the years. Wrote on its primary site. We'll have a chance of the, of the Super Bowl champions of gaslighting. <laughs> what they were doing was literally gaslighting. I, I, I'm sorry. So I, I, I have hijacked everything for several minutes. I no, it's okay. I just, you know, what just went through my head was something that I'm going to go ahead and share with everyone now. Oh, no. Wait, no, no, no. It's just how this show goes sometimes, or it's, it's how times ours went sometimes. But I think it's going to be even more evident with video and with people being able to watch live as we go. That sometimes you get about five minutes into the show and you go, oh, okay, well, this is going to be a Seth episode. And that's good. That's good to have. It's good to be able to. 
to have somebody who's getting fed the football every once in a while. Like, sometimes it's a real even episode. Sometimes a couple of us are here by ourselves. You know, there's a lot of ways this show can go. And I just thought, like, oh, cool. Today, like, we, I want to ask Seth, like, 15 questions about some stuff he's written this week. And he's already off on a tangent about Juwan Taylor and um, and crediting, you know, every other outlet and every other person he can think of on Twitter. I have 2005 Larry Johnson this episode. <laughs> I am 40 carries <laughs> a game. You are going to run me into the ground this episode. I'm not going to be able to walk tomorrow. <laughs> the, the best part, Josh, is uh, you know... And I, I'm I'm encouraging CBS's cameras to get this, but you know Doug Peterson's got to be by the line judge and being like, "You see that, right? You, over there, over there, that, that, that guy, that that guy. Are you checking it? Checking it? Like, Anthony Hack is doing some evil stuff over there, man. Because when Juwan Taylor, when he was here, man, he never moved early. He never lined up that. off the line. Man, no, never. Never. I wouldn't have allowed it as a coach. <laughs> I would have run onto the field and said, that's not how we do things here in Jacksonville, Jawan. Get your helmet to the center's butt <laughs> or else. Okay. Yeah. That's all I've been wanting to say for 10 minutes is get, get your helmet to the center's butt crack or you're not lined up properly. Okay. I love how Collinsworth was like, well, you know, it's the belt line. It's it's really the waistline. That's where the line of demarcation begins on like <laughs> you mean his ass crack you mean, you mean his ass crack right i mean, I mean great say ass crack please say say go ahead say it on tv you gotta you like you like you know so it's center crack guard tap that that's that's where we are okay cool oh, well thanks for watching this episode of only weird games everybody we'll uh, be back on monday no um I, there was some interesting stuff from pressers today, Nate, over the last couple of days, and and two of the players who talked uh, are going to coincide very nicely with Seth taking a closer look at the pass catchers from against the Lions. I, I want to go that route uh, at some point as well. Let's let's put. I'll, I'm going to set a timer on my phone. It'll beep and everyone will hear it. I'm going to set a three minute timer for us to talk about Chris Jones and the contract and, and the because we have more details. It's not yes. just all the same stuff. We actually have some some new information. Uh, in terms of how the incentives are structured. Breaking news, folks, the, the Chiefs added void years to a deal. Currently, it's for like $1.3 million each of those years. It could be lower than that. Uh, but there's a, there, there are void years here. That was new to me. Nate, what uh, what the face you're making makes me think you're going to have to say something here. What, uh, what, what, what took you by surprise? What did you find interesting? And our three-minute timer starts now. He might be able to earn the money that was already on his deal. Uh, he says he wants to be back with the team, so there's still plenty of opportunity for that to potentially happen. And whenever you sign a new deal, your agents get commission. So you could argue that his agents tried the best that they could, but could not get the result similar to Nick Bosa. What I can also tell you is Chris Jones did them a favor. By signing a new contract so that they could get their commission for three months of a holdout that was not successful based on, you know, where their voyage sort of began. Um, if he had not, if he had just come back to work without a contract, uh, without a new contract, I should say, uh, then the agents don't benefit from it as if they would have gotten an extension like the Nick Bosa situation. So definitively, I can tell our audience that Chris Jones 
while also saying he still wants to be a chief, did his agents a favor while also putting the onus on himself to perhaps earn more money than was originally on his deal. But the odds of that happening are right around 50-50 based on my estimation. Mr. Kaiser? Um, I'm on the same three-minute timer, right? Yes. Yeah. Do you have any idea what it takes for me to write an entire article slamming a deal? I, I, these, I wrote it. It's on the Chief North newsletter. It's unlocked for everyone because I want everyone in the world, including hopefully Chris Jones, to read it. The Chief's defensive tackle has to earn back what was already his. Mm-hmm. He has to... His agent's job is to earn more money for him. He Correct. now has to earn that money for him. That's not Correct. right. And I am going to be careful how much I talk because I've had a long day and I'm ready to just say some stuff. But the reality is, if it's your job to represent someone's interests and you fail dismally at that, that that should come back on you. And the reason stuff doesn't generally come back on agents is because that's a complicated game for pretty much anyone to play that works within the industry. Fortunately for me, nothing about my career in this industry involves access. And I would say to either of those guys' face, you should do the right thing and resign as his agent because you failed him. You failed him miserably. And I say that as someone who spent the last 10 years of my life either representing people or watching other people represent people. And he had... He had this in his hand, and now he has to earn back about half of it. The the extra that 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 that's if he if he accomplishes these unbelievable things. And hey, great! I hope he does. I hope he earns every dollar of it because that means he won Defensive Player of the Year and the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. That's the two million dollars. That's the one that really puts him ahead. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is first team All Pro, incredibly tough to do, and Super Bowl appearance. Something he doesn't control. He, he if he gets hurt. He, he makes less money this year than he would have without the holdout. Significantly less money. And never mind the fact that all of that comes with him not getting $54 million guaranteed. And, and he, he has every right to say no to a longer-term contract if he wants. But this whole thing looks like, to me, a failure of, of representation. That's uh, what I've just... What, after you do the math, check out the article. Another way of saying that is Jones now has to earn through snaps, sacks, awards, and Super Bowls, something that was free for him prior to this holdout. And that is wrong. That was a that That is a complete failure. And I take it personally that when, when I see someone whose job is to look out for someone else's best interest, then the other guy has to do them the solid. It is not Chris Jones's job to do favors for the Cats brothers. It's their job to help him, not the other way around. And that's as far as I'm going to go there. Like, I'm genuinely offended by that. Like, that bothers me. I think it's not just... I don't think it's just professionally wrong. I think it's morally wrong. And that's that you're getting the Baptist version of me in this. Now we're talking morals. And let me tell you. No, I'm kidding. Go ahead. I went uh, three minutes there. Where are we at? Where are we at, Josh? Oh, I paused it like two minutes ago. It's been paused at two seconds for about two minutes. I was going to say right. everything you guys said was true. And also Brad Beach and Brad Tillis cooked. That's that's my take. They, uh, they have the, they cook with that. The last, the last thing I'll say is this is also kind of an indictment of the players' association, in my opinion. Mm. Do you want to go to a higher level, Josh? Oh hell yeah! Let's let's elevate, baby. 
the last the last thing I'll say about this is this was a miscalculation also by the Players Association. And I sometimes have difficulty criticizing the Players Association because I know, much like the player and the team, the Players Association and the owners, like you're negotiating from a less advantageous, less leveraged position, right? You're always trying to negotiate up versus negotiating down. Um, but because the players wanted to get some things, I think you have to acknowledge that there are two things in the CBA that, to me, from a personal standpoint, uh, go completely counter to the employee, which is the ability to not be franchise tagged and for you to actually have a fair contract negotiation, which means you don't get fined if you miss time. Now, I understand if you're like, hey, it's in your contract to play this many games, and based on the league's business model, we pay you through game checks. Yep. Okay. I'm under contract to play that game. So if I miss that game, similar to Chris on Thursday night, all right, I have foregone that, that, that week's game check. Cool. But the but the ability for the owners to I don't want to say sneak it through because I mean like the player association has plenty of lawyers, but to not get that message across to all the players that hey for whatever reason, if this were to happen to you or if you feel like you need to maximize your potential or hell if you don't even want to go to training camp, um, that fifty thousand dollars adds up real quick, and so the two point. The two and a half million put the pressure on the Cats brothers and on Chris, and that, in essence, helped the Chiefs come to a logical offer, which is, well, you can make it back. But also, it's it's based on team club incentives. So, yeah. you know, if we didn't have the franchise tag, there would be a such thing as true free agency, kids. There is no such thing as true free agency unless you are a good player, but not a great player. And secondly, uh, when you're trying to negotiate a deal and you can't get the you can't get the conversation to move the way you want, it is because you've allowed the owners to find your player outside of his weekly game check, which is mostly what his contract is built on so how did how did chris shows get fined for something that has nothing to do with the actual structure of his contract now if he wants to skip mandatory minicamp and that's in this deal again that's his choice but by not showing up to camp which is a cba specific thing that's why less and less people are holding out which is the reason that the owners put it in the cba so they were they were always starting from a disadvantage that's 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 a good point. And just the the players association it's worth noting the stuff that you see affect the superstars, the rank and file, what they're going to care about and you notice what you will see in every CBA negotiation. Mm-hmm. Hey, what if we raise that minimum veteran set? Yeah, you know it. That's where that's where about what 40 35 to 40 of players on a 53 man roster plus the practice squad. So 40 full 40 guys are like, "Yes, that's what I care about, an extra $100,000 a year in my pocket. And and then the stars are like, guys, wait, wait, wait. And they're looking at it like, 
So you might have to take 20 million instead of 23 million. Yeah, I'm going to get this extra 100K, bro, because that's not me. And that's just, that's the human condition. That's how this works. And that's what the NFL, that their players association, I'm like you said, they got tons of lawyers. I'm sure they do a good job negotiating. Mm-hmm. But you have huge rosters and it's just tough when the when the 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 important stuff to the majority is not what's going to make the news so right yeah. right and you know it's a great question here on on uh youtube but just why do players not hold in well the team can still find you yep just ask just ask jonathan taylor like so uh i get publicly that chris says well he didn't want to be a distraction and to be fair there, that's a point to be made. Like, hey, if I'm not around with the team, like the team can just operate without me. But if you're, I mean, like the Colts have been a dumpster fire because Jonathan Taylor did hold in and it still hasn't gone well for him. Now he's protected under this four week sort of, you know, designation. Um, but as I talked to a number of people, like, you know, Jonathan Taylor's going to have to come to work because he's going to, he's going to, he's going to give in even more money than Chris has. Which is hard to contemplate, considering that he plays a he plays a running back position and he has a lesser salary than Chris did when starting a hold in or a hold out. Uh, also, the, Chris Jones did have an actual like normal seeming press conference uh, since the last episode. Thought it was interesting, Nate. You were obviously there, and I, I again, I'd like to I'd like to move us to the Jags soon. But um, I thought it was interesting when he said, "Yeah, there were some things that he would do differently." And then the little back and forth with uh, Adam Teicher of, of ESPN of uh, saying, so what exactly would you do differently? And, and uh, Chris Jones said, I guess I'd, I'd pick a different vacation spot. And then Teicher said, uh, to my ear at least, Nate, it was a little difficult in the recording. Uh, but yes, uh, Adam yes. said, would it be St. Joseph, Missouri by any chance? And uh, Chris Jones, I believe, said probably so, right? What so. about that? What about that breezy St. Joe? And and Jones before that had talked about like it being difficult to be away from the group, especially a a, a group with some new faces on at the defensive line and all of that. And uh, I believe him. I, I that 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 sounded more like Chris Jones than anything else we had heard from him in the last six months. My heart soared when I saw him and Travis Kelsey just like jumping around and hugging each other. And then they were <laughs> doing some other stuff today at practice. But <laughs> I I like that was like that was a cool moment. Cause you could practically hear Kelsey like, "Yeah, big guy." You could you could almost hear him, and just how excited they were to see each other. And also, it was nice seeing. Although it's like Kelsey's like bouncing around. I'm like, dude, yeah, hang on. Are you healthy? But it, bounce with your shoulders or something, man. I don't know. Yeah, Keep your feet on the ground for now. But that that was really nice to see. But uh, yeah, no, yeah, and, and look, I think my belief is. From my understanding is he didn't, you know, if you're going to hold out, what's the point of coming to training camp? Again, he knows the system. He's been there for a long time. I think, I think where his, I think where he would have probably changed again, given the ability to have hindsight is he probably would have come back after training camp. So you're talking like mid August, you know, maybe late August, I guess the, I guess camp ended on like August 17th is my belief. So like, Obviously, you have the second preseason game, and then he comes back. And, of course, that sort of mitigates some of the fine money that you have while also making a point that, like, hey, at least I'm withholding my services through training camp, which is what most people do when they hold out. They don't come to training camp. With that being said, we can finally, finally talk about the pass catchers, some guys who have spoken this week, guys who Seth took a closer look at. Seth, I am so excited to hear what you have to say. Go ahead and give it to us. 
right after this. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. It's more fun to be there for live Kansas City Chiefs football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the Kansas City Chiefs and the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. And you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com Chiefs. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You knew it was happening, Seth. We were on the same page. We're reading zone coverage. You're not dropping the ball. This isn't even a problem. Uh, but actually, what, I, what I'd like to do, if, if it works for you guys, because we have heard from Kadarius Tony yesterday and Sky Moore earlier today, um, and Seth wrote about a whole bunch of, I mean, like every pass catcher who got significant work, um, shout out to Justin Ross, someday, sweet prince. Um, but that's all up from the Chief of the North newsletter, mnchiefsfan.substack.com, and uh, you can check it out there. I, I don't necessarily even, Seth, want to go through like Noah Gray and Blake Bell right now, although I did think there's some interesting takes. People can read along there if they'd like. But I'd rather go receiver by receiver, at least for Tony and Moore, because you guys have both written about Tony and Nate, you may have a Sky Moore piece or certainly had some Sky Moore uh, audio today. So let's start with Kadarius Tony, because I thought his presser yesterday was fascinating. What did you see when you turned the tape on there, Seth? Um, in, in the relatively limited work, he got a lot of targets. How did he look on uh, further review? So I, I'll, I'll, do a, I'll do a bad news, good news thing, because one thing that I've seen making the rounds... Um, is that well? You know, Tony had it was you know it's like a next gen stat, three point one yards of separation. Here's the problem: the Lions played zone coverage about eighty percent of their snaps, give or take. And so the problem is that that separation isn't necessarily reflective of what he was doing, but it's the route combinations 
against coverage. And so if you're the first progression and Reed has it dialed up against a specific zone look, you're going to have like five yards of separation, but it's not separation. It's it's because when you think of separation, you're thinking separating from a man coverage defender. In this case, it's something more resembling um, I, I just space. You have 3.1 yards of space on average. And some of that, a lot of that, was because of the type of coverage that was being played. So I, I, I'm going to pump the brakes on that, like this idea that he was constantly separating from man coverage. Um, we didn't see a ton of that just because there wasn't a lot of film. I will say he still moves in an incredibly fluid, dynamic way. You can tell who he is immediately when you turn on the tape um, just because he's a unique mover. And so, I mean, all those things were still there, but I mean... I, I my my intro sentence to him was, look, Tony had one of the worst games I've ever seen a receiver play because eventually you got to catch the ball. And that just, he failed at really tough times. And and so, but I will say he looks fluid. He looks dynamic. But uh, like the separation thing, I'd pump the brakes on that because we really haven't seen him against man coverage at this point. Can I ask an optimist's uh, maybe silly question on that particular front? Yeah. Is it still at least kind of nice that he was in space because I, I like that's a little bit tongue in cheek, but also a little bit like I don't Sky. I, I didn't go through all this. Whatever, I'm picking the name, but like Sky Moore did not seem to find himself in space very often. He was out there a ton. Is that? Let me ask this, then, I guess Seth, is that anything to do with Kadarius Tony, or is that completely to do with the Chiefs wanting Kadarius Tony to be the guy in those spots? And could it have been Richie James or somebody else? A little bit the first, but a lot the second. Uh, Moore wasn't the primary read on nearly as many plays. A lot of times when Tony was out there, he was the primary read. So he's the guy that they are really trying to find an opening against zone looks. Um, and then for Sky Moore, one of the plays where he got the most open, Mahomes had one of probably his worst play of the game and just missed him early and then missed the throw late. Like we would have forgiven the missing him early had he hit him when he was scrambling, but he just, he overthrew it a little. And if Sky Moore was three inches taller, he probably would have caught the thing, but he's not. So um, with Moore, here's what I would say. He looks the same as he looked on tape last year. And I say that somewhat sad sounding when it's funny because last year I was very kind of optimistic about him with the same tape. What I mean by that is I didn't see him doing anything differently in terms of handling contact through his routes. He's always looked pretty fluid running through contact, but I was expecting to see a step forward. I was expecting to see a step forward into finding those open spaces a little more frequently against zone looks. It really is tough when a team plays predominantly zone to really gauge a lot of receivers because so much of it is dependent on the play call and then site adjustments. So, but but he just didn't look any different than he has, and he really did make a pretty rough play on the final game play of the game. Um, I've, I've a lot of people. Oh, that was it was a really tough catch and that kind of stuff. He he really misplayed the ball. I mean, he was he was watching it the whole way, running across the field, and then he pauses because he he's he's thinking about going up for a jump ball with Watson and the defender. But had he just run underneath it, that that dude is still running right now. <laughs> and that's the kind of play when Mahomes throws it up there. Was it to Watson or was it to Moore? I don't know. I haven't heard anyone say. But that's the kind of play we've seen Tyree Hill run underneath underneath that ball a million times. And that's where down the field, it's not just about speed. It's not just about quickness. It's about that ability to read the ball as it comes in. And that's hard to do, running full speed. Nate, he talked about that today. Tony talked about all of those issues yesterday. 
Uh, I, I actually should ask you now, were you in there for Sky Moore today or did you make a bolt to the locker room for that? I, I made a bolt to the locker room, but I heard okay. it afterwards. Yes. Okay. I, I, I heard the whole thing. So, but yeah, 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 he said, he said, Seth, if you didn't see that, he, should, he probably should have caught it on fourth and 25, that he felt like he should have actually brought that one in. Which, um, yes. Which, yes. A lot of accountability from the wide receiver room. They got out of there after the game. I yes. guess they were all pretty upset. Yeah, but I think with I was pretty upset. I didn't plan now, it. I think with the stuff they're saying now, it wasn't, at least those two, it wasn't them being mad at anything but themselves. You know what? I can live with that. You want a day to like kick yourself in the teeth before you say anything to the media. Fair enough. Yep, that, that was also more or less the vibe that I got, Nate. It, it felt like both of them pretty much came out. And not that Canarius Tony could ever argue that someone else dropped those passes, but to be like, yeah, this is this is a me problem, and I, I can't replicate that. I, I got to be better going forward. I, I thought both of them asserted themselves pretty well at the podium. What did you make of it? Yes, that is 100% fair to say. I, I get the sense now that you have to go back to the basics, and also you hope that um, you almost get momentum in the opposite direction, right? That first series or two against the Jaguars is going to be quite telling because, um, you know, Andy Reid has a repu, you know, he has a reputation for allowing a player to get through mistakes by continuing to give them an opportunity to get the ball. Yep. So I'm in one of these, you know, first fifteen scripted plays that there's going to be something for Kadarius Tony, whether it's him uh, behind the line of scrimmage or obviously something to to get him the ball in space, kind of like what Seth was talking about in zone. Um, and one of the harsh things about Kadarius's mistake is because he knows he's supposed to really feast in zone coverages because of what he showed everybody in the Super Bowl on that punt return. If you give him the ball with space, he can get additional yards after the catch, and he could turn a relative normal-looking reception into a highlight, right? Um, and so I think on the deep cross, he knows he's open. He, I'm sure Seth saw this. He... He looks, he looks everywhere else. Then he comes back to the ball and says, "Wow, that thing's really fast. It's coming right at." <laughs> you know, and so he he adjusted slowly, but he could tell how open he was in that moment. But for Sky Moore, the issue now becomes just consistency. And I think Sky is a player who really feeds off of momentum and confidence. Um, you've seen that over the course of his rookie season. If he has a good play, um, he can sort of build on that. He is human, so when he has mistakes, he does get down on himself. But I, I like the idea that they're going to play alongside Travis Kelsey, which is a huge benefit, and they each know that they have a responsibility to be accountable for their teammates in another game setting, um, and everybody's wondering how they're going to respond. Not necessarily a negative way, but I think a lot of the guys on the team just want to see them have success so that the game flow feels more normal compared to one mistake compounding in the two and three and so and so. Um, if they have a good start on Sunday against the Jaguars, um, then they should go back to just being the players of who they are. And I appreciate Kadarius Tony, Josh, saying that, like, I don't need to be a superhero. And sometimes it's hard for guys to like reconcile with that when it's with when it's prime time opening night. I've already made a mistake, and I gotta make a play out there. Um, and so that leads you to think you need to be a superhero. 
So with Travis Kelsey back, Kadarius saying I don't need to be a superhero, that's a positive start that I think for Chiefs fans should hopefully lead to better execution overall, um, which means, hey, that's, you know, as Seth said, it doesn't, it can't get worse. It can only get better. Yeah. Because uh, he, he said it was the hard, it was the worst game, one of the worst games he's ever seen. I described it as disastrous. Yeah. So, well, you know, and there are players who have run, you know, worse routes and that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, it really was in terms of how impactful those drops were. There's probably a game where a receiver dropped four passes instead of three. But bouncing one into a pick six and the other one, I mean, I had a buddy call me the next day. He was like, so, I mean, he catches that last one. Like, are we even talking about any of this? I was like, nope, nope. He's like, well, that other one was on third down, wasn't it? I was like, yep. Yeah. And it's just, it's just bad. And, but it is good to hear them. I think they'll get him involved. He's moving just fine. I, oh, I just, I do have a bit of a hot take on the whole, like, you know, him feuding with Giants fans thing. That Go ahead. I'm happy in a way. Now, do I think he should be doing that? No. But I'm happy he's still kind of doing his same thing. Like, if he just completely shut everything down all at once, so I would galaxy brain lead. I would be more worried that he's all up in his head. You'd be more worried if he wasn't trying to fight Giants fans on social media. That's a uh, Seth. That is a fantastic take. A fantastic take. You're, it's insane, but it, boy, it's a good take. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I'm I'm excited to see what they do. I would like to see them get MVS involved more. Um, I saw someone comment on Justin Watson. Let me just tell you, you know what? Justin Watson cannot separate on his own to save his life, except downfield. He can a little bit. He's like a a pretty poor dude's Marquez Valdez Scantling. Like, and by pretty poor dude, I mean like someone that you'd probably want to help out if you knew. Like, maybe not quite homeless yet, but he's got like three of those notices under his door. The there's like there's like almost a moral imperative to help him yeah. out. Yeah, the last one's pink. And Nate is just you know, like he's in trouble. He's in trouble. He's your friend and he's in trouble. But but he can separate a little bit deeper. And you know what he did? He caught the ball when they threw it to him. So all the Justin Watson haters to be like, you know what? He caught the ball. Well, how how can you say for all the Justin Watson haters while also hating on Justin Watson? <laughs> That's a compliment to Marquez Valdez Scanley. They have a very oh, so skill set, it. except MBS is faster, you know, has better explosion. A little but better. Telling you, MBS is a ten million dollar average annual value player. I don't. That's that's not Seth saying that. That's the Chiefs saying that. <laughs> I would like to see them get MBS a little more involved, though, as a primary read. Take a few shots down the field. He's shown he'll make some tough catches. Like, because mm-hmm. he looked angry after the game, and I feel like that's why. Where it's like, hey, maybe the primary read sometime. How many times do I got to drag coverage down the field before you throw my way? Nate, what, what is it going to take? Because uh, there was a good piece from our friend Brooke Pryor on ESPN. She covers the Steelers now, obviously, in Pittsburgh, where she had a, a piece about the death of the deep ball and kind of dragging it back to Patrick Ooh, Mahomes. And yeah, and we had yeah. talked, I don't think we ever talked about it on, on the show, but I think pre or post show at some point recently, we talked a little bit about some deep ball stuff and then Travis Kelsey getting hurt kind of adjusted the plan for Thursday a little bit. I mean, maybe not, maybe not enough, Seth. We can come back to that. But um, <laughs> but but overall, I that that's a very similar thing that, that I was getting from, from that piece that you wrote, Seth. Yeah. Uh, man, M- MVS, like he he deserved a, a few more looks, and he's too expensive to be a decoy. <laughs> like let's let's figure out what what it's gonna take. So so yeah. what's the what's the stitch there? 
Yeah, it, it kind of needs to be half and half, right? You need to be half decoy, half, you know, effective deep deep ball guy. Um, what's fascinating, Josh, I'm glad you I'm glad you brought her up because obviously she does excellent work for ESPN is kind of knew that one was in the was in the hopper for a while. Mm. And it's also, you know, it's also within the trend in the league right now of run the running game kind of taking on a little bit more prominence, obviously, what the Eagles did uh last season the idea that you have more mobile quarterbacks so maybe just standing in the pocket seven step drop hit it downfield i love how dan marino's like i would have threw for six thousand <laughs> six thousand yards like drew Brees couldn't even see me on the on the chart <laughs> if i was in the league uh <laughs> he might but- not be wrong He's not a. I, mean, no. I, I, I tend to agree with him. I'm like he's the, he's the quarterback of a former era. This show loves loves. Yeah, <laughs> like like guys, watch what he used to do in the mud in <laughs> whatever Joe Robbie Stadium. You know, just singing them things out there. Um, but yeah, I mean it's it's a fascinating thing for you know the Chiefs to have an effect on the league um, and to see the league sort of try to compound that and try to counteract it. And now it's time for the Chiefs to sort of counterattack on their own, um, which is something you you might read in the Athletic uh, very shortly. Um, because if the receivers catch the ball, uh, I do think there is a chance for them, particularly with these two tackles, right? The fact that they got Jawan Taylor and Donovan Smith to hold up better in pass protection. Now, you might be give me something up in the run game. And that's the calculus that Brett Beach and Andy Reid and Andy Hack ultimately made. But if the tackles hold up, um, then yeah, you should have more opportunities to throw the ball deep. Uh, I, uh, I think that the, the deep ball returning to the chiefs offense in a way that is explosive and fire breathing dragon. E I think that worked <laughs> is, is what I am maybe most excited to see in this next iteration. If that does in fact show up, but man, the other thing I'm excited to see is what we might be able to do with our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook. Said, "Tell everybody, tell everybody, about how they can wear the crown." I thought you'd never ask. I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but football is back in full swing with another week of epic games. And who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet five dollars on football and get two hundred dollars instantly in bonus bets. Nobody's missing out on the action this season. All DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Get in on the NFL Week 2 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now. Use the code KCSN to sign up. Again, KCSN to sign up. New customers can bet just $5. Take home 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code KCSN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility deposit restrictions apply. $5 for $200 in instant betting. Holy cow. You just get better and better every time, Seth. You're, you're doing great work. 
<laughs> See, I, I felt like I hit a bit of a slump there, but you know what? Yeah, I did too. I was lying. Yeah, I could tell every, every time. <laughs> it's like, oh, Josh is complimenting me. Something went horribly, horribly askew. I think it was when you said hope and why. Yeah, well, you know, what I thought I would do is start off really strong. Yeah, hope and why. No, I, I got a little I got a little confused there. That's on me, and I'm great. so great with the reading. What, what, what I thought about doing was really hitting it strong early, and then after a bunch of success with it, just not doing anything with it at all in the second half, because I saw what the Chiefs did with Rasheed Rice, and I thought, hey, that looks good. I thought I might make us talk about the defense, but no, we really, really should, because I don't think the lab should be allowed to be the only... Uh, the only ones amongst us calling for more of Rasheed Rice. And uh, yeah, I mean, you, you just alluded to it, Seth, but but speak on, on what you saw. And then, Nate, I would be, we, it has not been a major talking point and certainly not from pressers or anything. I'd love to know what the Chiefs are feeling about Rasheed Rice right now. Uh, but Seth, why, why do you want to see more? I definitely want to see more of Rasheed Rice. I'm sorry. Someone made a comment in the comment section. Oh, what did it say? I, oh, I see, you want to share with the class? I see it too. You want to share with the class? You want to you read it, Nate? No, no, no. You go. You go. No, it just says, "Dang, Seth, that promo made me not want to gamble." <laughs> so I just like, come on, man. Now, on one hand, <laughs> me being who I am, I'm like, it's good for you, buddy. But on the other hand, I don't know. I'm very torn right now. It's just that was funny. <laughs> But yeah, all right. They got some great deals for Thursday night football tonight. I'm I've already participated in it. I got the they got a they got an up seven early win. I went ahead and tried the Vikings for that. Got a little Vikings parlay up there. What's the, what's what's the is there is there a Kirk Cousins plaid shirt? No, I haven't I haven't I haven't seen the Kirk Cousins plaid shirt prop. Little prop little prop on the on the uh on the what what kind of what color plaid he going with? Stop. That is that is some degenerate stuff. Let me tell you. <laughs> I'm checking. Need side note. And I, I have no idea if I'm allowed to say this, but I'm going to. Oh man, I listen. The the gal that sung the national anthem in 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 on Thursday for the mm-hmm. Chiefs Lions, I remember thinking as she sang the anthem, I was like, did she bet on the under for the national anthem? She was. I mean, she was cooking through that. And she a Chiefs fan, and she really wanted to get to the good part. Like, and, and I'm not trying to disrespect the anthem here. Please don't get mad at me. But home of the Chiefs is awesome. In it right there when Seth says the worst part of the anthem is when we talk about the home of the brave. Seth doesn't care about the brave. No, 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 no. Seth cares about the Chiefs. It's not the brave in the North newsletter. What about the what about the troops? What about the troops, Seth? What about the troops? Come on, guys. Come on. That's one of my favorite parts of the anthem. Home and away games. When you hear home of the then you hear. Jeez, that's always awesome. And I'm proud to be an American. I'm very proud to be an American. We're at least I'm from, I'm from Northern Minnesota, people. Like, come on. So, Sentence like, oh, say, can you chiefs? That's the early chiefs. Uh, oh, my goodness, the comments. Okay, these are good now. I hate it, people. Anyway, All right, I got to go find the video. I'm just going to, it was just so, it was just, I, I remember me thinking that, and that just goes to show how much, like the 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 betting and stuff culture has got into the NFL. <laughs> now my first thought was like, she bet on the under because she was like, you know, oh, say can you see by the dons there and people? I was like, oh. is it? Is it? But is the bet in her parents' name? Well, yeah, it's the bet in her parents' name. Yeah. Hey, tell hey, me, mom, is like, mom, that it's cool. Like, mom, we're not gonna score on Illinois. Put the under down. <laughs> 
So Miles, Miles Garrett doesn't want him to score touchdowns. He's actively trying to win every game nine to six. Miles, put the bet down. Put it down. Can you, can you put the mortgage on it? Put the mortgage on it. I'm telling you, we are not scoring on Ohio State this week year. Let's check in on the comments here. Ice Pyro says, Seth is so un-American against betting in the Star Spangled Banner. White Bacon says, I can't believe you guys deprived the video from all the Times Ours podcast <laughs> listeners all those years. My old, my old Rep wife Parker just, didn't expect the pastor to promote gambling and slam the national anthem. My old wife, uh, Holly, the, the lovely Holly, uh, shout out to you, Thomas, uh, got it in there. Um, my lovely wife, who's not in the room, just texted me, what is going on? Uh, as I see, I'm proud to be an American. I'm so sorry. Also, my wife's trying to trying to wrap up some work, and uh, she might be on a call with colleagues, and she might just hear, "I'm proud to be an American." You know. But uh, like, honestly, I think I think the issue was Seth. I'm going to clear us of all wrongdoing right now. Uh, I think the issue was NBC was like, wrap this up. <laughs> Wrap it up. Wrap that it up. Two is coming, guys. Wrap it up. Wrap it up because everybody be waiting seven months for this game. Wrap it up, girl. Uh, <laughs> that that would be my guess. I I, I was sitting uh, I was sitting next to Blair Kirkhoff on the Kansas City Star in the press box, and I was like, I mean, can you imagine if they did that to Carrie Underwood? Oh, she would have she would have made it a fourteen minute anthem if they'd tried that. <laughs> I'm like. Y'all let y'all let Carrie Underwood sing the whole song on Sunday night, but this lady can't do the national anthem in front of a national TV audience. NBC yeah. is like, come work so, Angry drunken German says that's a lawyer. Question his motives. Come on, guys. Good, good, good. I have it. I I don't look at the chat live when we're doing the show because I'm distracted enough, and you guys are definitely distracted enough. All right. Yeah. White Bacon, I stay at work late. I stay at work late to watch these live streams. My boss thinks I'm being productive, and that's hilarious that to me. So everyone, nice. everyone should stay at work until five thirty to think a bit productive while listening. Oh, I, oh, oh, we're losing Josh. This video. Whoa, gone. he's back. He's gone. Oh, you were gone for a I'm second. Back. There. I closed that tab. One of my, my favorite ice pyro. We doing this Sorry. live, boys. I was having a great time reading year. comments, but my my computer was like, "Hey, hey, guy, you got ninety five Chrome tabs open? What tab are we on?" <laughs> so you asked me about Rasheed Rice. Uh, yeah, that you look, the Chiefs. You know how this works, kids. Let's remind you: Week one is a little sprinkle, just a little sprinkle. Then week two is where did he go? If you can hear me, talk about Rasheed Rice. And <laughs> I get where did you're back? Did back. Then week three is, man, why don't they just give him more snaps? Then week four is like, oh, a rookie. He must know the playbook. Then week five is another reduction in the snap. Now, this, you know, this is oh, this is what's going to happen. We all know how this works, guys. Andy Reid wants a slow build to the rookies getting ready to be main contributors. I'd be shocked if... Rasheed Rice was like a major part of the of the game plan, even with Travis Kelsey's return. So Rasheed Rice is doing nothing wrong. It's just this is how they traditionally map this out. And I'm sorry, Seth, before you wanted to talk, I just wanted to let you know. Yes. Look, it's gonna be week six. And you're gonna need this. And Josh's gonna ask the same thing. Where's Rasheed Rice? And I'm gonna be like, he's on special teams. Yeah. 
learning how to be a professional. Well, because I mean, you know, if you didn't play Rasheed, you know, if you played Rasheed Rice too much, guys might be running into each other on routes or not have their spacing correct or drop passes or something. I mean, who knows what shenanigans could possibly ensue. It totally derailed the passing game. I mean, did you see when he got four targets or five targets in the first half and he caught four of them, including a touchdown and a really nice yards after that? I don't know. Can you imagine? No, no. and Nate is 100% right. This is what Andy does unless rookies force their way onto the field. And I mean, like, force their way. I mean, not literally. Uh, he he literally so said, bad. he literally said, oh, yeah, Deshaun Jackson was special. And I'm like, that's the barometer for doing yeah, anything yeah. as a rookie? Yeah, that's not right. So are you, wow. one of the, are you one of the fastest five wide receivers to ever play the game who also happened to have freakishly good ball skills? Oh, no? Oh, okay. Well then, well, then you're a traditional rookie. Yep. Then you're just a regular rookie. Here's here's the thing I would say with Rice. I thought he showed a little bit of juice, a little bit of quickness in his routes. He looked comfortable drifting in that end zone, finding the open spot. He, like, he, like, he, he just looked pretty comfortable doing the limited things he was asked to do. And he's also, when he's got the ball in his hands... He is, you can see, like, you never know how traits will translate to the next level. Because there are guys who are yak monsters in college. It doesn't quite translate. But he looks just as fast as a pro as he did in college. And he looks tough to tackle. And he's got some instincts with it. And so it's just hard to watch occasionally. Because the first half, they they apparently used up all the Rasheed Rice plays. It's like, Rook, we got five plays with your name in them. We're going to run all five. And then he dropped the first one, which that was like, a, oh, no. But and, and we talked about this already, that he just put his entire life force into his into that catch. <laughs> and you just watched it. I think I saw an actual monkey jump off his back right in that moment because he was like, okay, I know how to catch the football. Let's do this. I would love to see a little more from Rice, and we will in some games and not in others, and eat Arby's. Real quick, before the nihilism takes over, uh, I just wanted to give a shout out to perhaps Luttrell, who uh, who had a super chat that just said this content should not be freeze. They took it upon <laughs> themselves to make sure it wasn't anymore. Uh, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that very much. Um, by the way, we've talked about Travis Kelsey playing in this game just as a matter of fact. Nay, I we this should have been the cold open, honestly, and instead it's at the fifty okay. some minute mark. Travis Kelsey looking good, good to go, happening. Yeah, he's he's gonna play. Uh, he's he's gonna play unless something again happens that we haven't uh seen or that hasn't occurred yet. Um, perhaps if you're listening to the podcast, you know at a, at a later point. But no, he's he should be good to go. Um, I don't know if he'll be a hundred percent, but um, the Chiefs made the right decision, and that needs to be said as well. Like for as much as it pained Kelsey not to be on the field against the Lions, um, long term they made the right decision once they sort of double check that everything is structurally going to be fine with his knee so that he could play against the Jaguars. And then obviously the hope is that he'll play moving forward. So if he gets through Sunday's game, that's obviously another positive side. Um, I'm sure that the team is being precautious or seems being cautious, I should say, um, and making him a limited participant. Um, I don't get the sense that he couldn't do all his reps if he wanted to. It's just, there's no need to it with him sort of still, trying to make sure the swelling is down, trying to understand that uh, his body is not going to have too much wear and tear before you, you know, you play the first 
real football game of the season. Um, and obviously they're doing the same with Chris Jones. They don't want to wear Chris Jones out on a Thursday before you need him to play 25 to 35 snaps on Sunday as like, you know, can you, can your presence be enough to help our pass rush? And also are you, are, can you be good enough to give us like one highlight, one sack, one, one, one play that, you know, um, influences a takeaway. So I think both players will be fine. Um, Legereus Need is kind of in the same category in a lot of ways. Um, so other than Charles Aminahue, who again is still suspended, um, everybody should be up and available. And for someone like Justin Ross, who I know you mentioned earlier, Josh, is he the guy that is not going to be active because of the return of Travis Kelsey? Or are you going to maybe lean on one less linebacker if you feel like Drew Tranquil and Leo Chanel and, oh boy, now I got to look at my sheet again. You want you that Jones Cochran. or you want Cochran? There we go. That Cochran, if you feel good about how those guys are. So I, I was thinking about that earlier today, like how the number situation goes. It's like, well, if you want to see more from Justin Ross, maybe in short yardage or red zone or, you know, just, hey, just go run a deep route and see if you can out jump the cornerback. You might have to pick that over Cam Jones. Um, we also we heard from the coordinators today, and and there are a few things that I just thought were really interesting from from both of the the offensive and defensive coordinators. And Tobe's stuff was mostly about um, you know why he was frustrated by the fake that worked uh, against the Lions. But interesting from Spags talking about just the sort of chess game creativity, all of that that comes together. That uh, that it, it was it was interesting for him to talk about how fun and important that aspect of coaching is and then to kind of offset that by saying and if something's missing there in the relationship between the coaches and the players and getting that message conveyed to the players it doesn't matter how good the scheme is or how good the players are because the teaching aspect still has to actually get through it was sort of like a philosophical question he got asked about that uh, I thought was was really really interesting I, I don't know that it has a specific sort of week two slant on it um, but with the things the Chiefs defense did differently um, which Craig Stout has written about in the KCSN Substack that they talked about in the lab that Craig talked about on the zone with Jason Anderson and myself today on uh, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Uh, that we we've been sort of soaked in that conversation. I think it's really fascinating because of all the unique stuff they did without Chris Jones. Now you're gonna get a part-time Chris Jones, we assume, against the Jags. Yep. And then it, then whatever happens after that, maybe it looks more like the Chiefs' actual defense. Um, Seth, what are you what are you looking for in in that space um in terms of how much of it was week one work without our best player? How much of it is, ooh, here's some new things we can do as a unit, even when Jones is back? I I think it should be a, a good blend of both because some of the things they were doing are things you can do with Jones because they, they're designed to get one-on-one -on -one matchups, for example. So some of those things that they're doing, now you're doing it, but you're not trying to get Mike Dana a one-on-one -on -one matchup. You're trying to get Chris Jones a one-on-one -on -one matchup. And that's, I think it's exciting, the idea. And I think it gave people a chance to see, I'm so bummed about the pick six and then the fact that they lost. Because otherwise, I, th I think Detroit probably puts up 14 or 17 and everyone's talking about the job Spags did because he really did do a terrific job. Um, and it, it's, I, I think you'll see some of it incorporated. Spags messes with things every year. He, he's a guy that has, he's very multiple. Like a lot of people talk about like Spags' system and he really mixes things up a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton. Like 
the way they played the Eagles in the Super Bowl versus the way they played the Bengals two weeks earlier, wildly different because they're wildly different, but equally good offenses. Mm -hmm. And he is, it's kind of like they run pretty different type stuff, but he's a lot like Belichick in that way that he tailors his stuff to individual opponents. And people can talk about all the Eagles scored a ton of points and all that stuff. But that was because we, we've been over this. Jalen Hurts made some real big boy throws. Dallas Goddard made some big boy catches. McDuffie lost a ball that he thought was coming down. Like Those aren't things that Spags controls. He really is very good at individualized, tailored, game one-team, game-tailored plans. Yeah. And that's one reason bespoke plans. Sure. Sure. Whatever I was trying to say. Um... And that's just something that I, I'm excited to see more of. I'm also excited to see how he incorporates some of that with Chris Jones back while doing some of the stuff that they know works. Because when you have Jones, it's kind of similar to having a version of like a Tyreek Hill in that you know what the blocking scheme is going to be. Because mm-hmm. the center is going to slide to Chris Jones. Yep. And and now now every team has to change things up occasionally. That's why like people wonder, why is Chris Jones ever not double teamed? Because you cannot literally call the same thing every time, even with blocking schemes in the NFL, because you will get eaten alive. Because they would just start sending Willie Gay or Nick Bolton through that A gap immediately and it would go poorly. And so I'm excited to see them do some of those things. I think it's gonna be I, I think because Spags is so multiple, he changes things up so much, I think you're gonna see him incorporate some of it. I just, I, I need to see this pass rush group together as a whole because there's a chance after looking at at, uh, at, at, at Felix's film, we'll see how we develop as the years go along. There's a chance that by the end of this year, they're, they're going to be doing some stuff. I'm really excited about it. This is, uh, this is where Chris Jones's 6'6 frame comes into play, Josh. It's a big frame. Because if he's going to not be... 100% or in the best game shape. What he can do is get the timing right of when he thinks the quarterback is going to release the ball and get those hands up. And that was something that the Chiefs were excellent at last year, which was pass deflections from the quarterback within the pocket. Um, it's uh, it's great because on one end, the, the Jaguars have to prepare for nickel blitz double a gap blitz you know here comes here comes oh are they rotating pre-snap and oh there goes justin reed like blitzing and all of a sudden like there's a lot of okay well how do we cover for all of this except now it's we got to cover for all this and that might leave chris jones in a one-on-one situation or it might free up george Karloff just to be more productive um i i want i want I know people have asked this, and I and I and I need to disappoint them immediately. Uh, somebody said earlier, Nate, when are we gonna see uh, Drew Tranquil on passing downs? You're not, you're not gonna see it. He's just gonna throw. He's the, Steve Spagnuolo. Because Steve Spagnuolo, I, I will. That comment, that comment, by the way, left by. Let me see here. Josh Briscoe and Seth Kaiser. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'm actually gonna give. Credit to PJ Green of Fox Four Sports. We had a conversation in the locker room, and uh, look, as PJ says, he just he just gets the linebackers 
rolls the dice and, uh, all right, you guys, third. <laughs> and in the next series, he'll go, Yaxi. <laughs> uh, Leo Shadal and Nick Bolt, no, third and eight, go. He's going to try, but, but PJ's point was he's going to try so many things in like the first four games of the season. Yeah. Just because he wants to see it. Like, yep. And all right, I guess. <laughs> that's so funny. I'm sorry. It's like he just kind of wants to see. It. It's like just, I just like, wanted to know what would happen, guys. Yeah. <laughs> like the only thing that you're going to see, you know, consistently is his obviously enduring love for Nick Bolton and Nick Bolton to play the middle linebacker position. Everything else is just a roll of the dice, and here's who. All right, well, we getting uh, Nick Bolton now on 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 uh, on, on nickel. He threw out Jamari Cotter to start the season. To start the season. Awesome. You want to know why? I want to see it. I just, yeah. I just want to. See it. He is. He. I just want to see it. He is very aware of the leash that Andy Reid gives him running the defense, and he's very aware of the leash that having Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes gives him. Like you can figure some stuff out and kind of throw some stuff at the wall and see what sticks. And um, I, I like this angry drunken German says that he uses chalk until week eight. After that, the permanent marker comes out and the roles are defined. Yeah. Uh, you, you see it. Yeah. And it wasn't just last year. It's, it's not every year. The disc off down the stretch gets yes. better and better. As soon as they have the bye week, he actually takes all that data and then synthesizes it and says, you do this. Well, you do this. Well, you do this. Well, and that matches up against this opponent. You match up better against that opponent. And he starts to, like SS says, get even more game plan specific. Right. But yeah, it's always after the bye week where he just goes, All right, I think we should have Legarius Need uh, follow number one receiver around when yeah. people have been yelling at it. You know, have people, hey, have people been yelling, me, yelling at me about that for four weeks? I mean, Legarius has been talking to me about it for three himself. <laughs> All right, I guess we'll let him. Yes, we'll let him cover DK Metcalf on his own, you know. So that's Speaking like, of getting getting game works. plan uh, specific, we're we're running out of show, and the Chiefs play the Jags here in a little bit. Uh, again, a noon kickoff, a weird one on Sunday. Wow, how dare they uh, play a game at the time that they always played throughout the <laughs> previous decade before Patrick Mahomes showed up? Uh, but where where are you guys uh, looking right now? Uh, again, well, I'm sure you'll, there's going to be more stuff coming out, both from Nate on the Athletic, and then Seth, you haven't even uh, put out the uh, Mahomes review yet because the the Felix fans. Uh, outvoted uh, him over Mahomes. You alluded to that. That's up on the newsletter. A really good read. Um, I don't want to give it away, but I think you teased it with like, it's very obvious to see where he succeeds and where he has stuff to work on still, uh, which is a, I think I'd take that for a rookie in game one. Yeah. Uh, you you want to yes. give a, a, an extra 30 second spiel to, to FAU. And then I do want to know what you guys are going to look for uh, in Chiefs Jags. Um, with, with FAU, you you see tools there to where I think his ceiling as a pass rusher could be pretty high. Um, he just got a few weaknesses right now. Everything's coming at him a little fast, and that includes the stand. Like if him and Jawan Taylor could like meet in the middle, like, <laughs> you would have a good jump on the snap because Felix, even on one of the plays that I showed, like his upper body strength, his ability to displace the tight end on a pretty decent run stuff, like. He got off the line slower than Derek Nottie. And that is not ideal when you weigh a hundred pounds less than Derek Nottie. <laughs> like you just that's just not ideal. 
So that's the biggest thing. And you can see, I mean, everything's just coming out of really fast. I think he might have been the youngest rookie in the draft. Um, Amongst them, for sure. I think he was, he was certainly very brave. He's 21 until January. And he's a young dude. And so, but, but he's got the power to displace with his upper body. And and even and not just displace backwards, but even move to the side and get a rushing lane. And he shows a little bit of bounce through contact with that, a little bit of bend. So it's it's a good combination of skills. So we'll see. But um, yeah, that's, I, I, that was like forty five seconds. I'm getting better, just one rep at a time. I'm not even pretending to set a, a meaningful timer at this point. Um, Nate, go ahead and give me. You looked at the uh, you looked at the Jags a little bit this week already. Uh, what what's a matchup or something you think is going to be interesting? And I think it's prediction time also, so we can kind of wade into those waters as well. Depends on how the Jaguars align up and how they use them. But Calvin Ridley being guarded by Trent McDuffie, sign me up. I don't think there are two more opposite receivers in week one than Kadarius Toney looking like he hadn't been in sync with the quarterback, that he hadn't, you know, had a single training camp rep. And Calvin Ridley, who had not played football in over a year, just being excellent. I mean, just excellent. Now, I do think the Chiefs have better quarterbacks than in the Indianapolis Colts. So he will obviously get more to the mean there in terms of pass defense. But if it lines up correctly, uh, I do want to see Trent McDuffie against, against Calvin Ridley. It's, uh, it's fascinating. And also, you know, Zay Jones is a real thing. Like they have real, they have a, they have, they have a nice five man squad. They are quietly becoming the Utah Jazz of mm. AFC, which is like, dang, they got a nice starting five. They got Trevor Lawrence, ETN, Zay Jones, Calvin Ridley, and Ebony. It's a pretty good five. Five might see when the Western Conference Finals, <laughs> you know, uh, and they all played, you know, the best part for Doug Peterson is they all played well. So I just want to see how Trent McDuffie does against someone that you know is a true number one receiver coming off a year where he, uh, you know, he was he was doing that other thing. Do you have a score? You want? Is it prediction time? Speaking of that other thing. So uh, the books tell me, fellas, that it's a three and a half line. It's moved around a little bit. I think it's been as high as four and a half, as low as three. Yes, uh, this is a tough one to pick from. It's hard to see the Chiefs going 0-2 with Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey playing a factor. Uh, it's hard to see the Chiefs scoring 20 or less. I'm going to say Chiefs 30, Jags 24. So the Chiefs would cover there by almost a touchdown. Seth, what are you looking for? And then uh, what's your score? The McDuffie-Ridley matchup is a really good one because um, the, the way the Chiefs have talked about him, the way the, the fact they moved up to draft him, um, his ceiling is supposed to be a guy that can take a Calvin Ridley. And, and you know, Ridley's a really, really, really good receiver. He's legitimate number one. He, he's supposed to be able to go shot for shot with him, right? It's like Jawan Taylor with Aiden Hutchinson. He's supposed to be able to go shot for shot with that guy and come out a little bit ahead. Now you got a few freaks in the league that no one comes out ahead. But Ridley is the guy that they drafted McDuffie to be able to deal with guys like him. So we'll see. Um, I'm excited for that. I think I'm most excited to see the the pass protection again and just the receiver group with Kelsey out there. 
and kind of see what the game plan is, how guys handle their various roles, and see how Kadarius Tony bounces back. Um, I I think he had a really good game against Jacksonville last year. Um, that was really early in his time with the Chiefs, mm-hmm. and so I'd love to see. I, I'm excited to see that. And uh, yeah, wow, that was a really really weak dismount. Uh, score. Yeah, just punch it up with a score, and it'll sound good again. Uh, I'm thinking the Chiefs put up 34. The Jags put up 27. You guys have all been real close to the score I wrote down too. So I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna go ahead and make it. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and adjust it. I'm gonna give the Chiefs a few extra points here. Uh, just by actually giving the Chiefs defense a few extra points. I'm, what did you say, Nate? 30-24. And I wrote down 31-27. Then I changed it to 31-24. It doesn't matter. We're gonna pick the same. We're all gonna be in the same neighborhood until the Super Bowl again this year or whatever. And then Seth can freak out about knowing ball in the AFC Championship game. It's kind of what we do. Uh, but no, I I I think. Here, here's my matchup to keep an eye on is just we saw the Chiefs defensive line without Chris Jones look pretty good against a really good Detroit Lions offensive line. How about you get Chris Jones back and you go up against a more banged up, lower performing offensive line in, in that Jags offense? All of those weapons do make me think that they will they will have a, a nice showing by and large offensively, uh, that being Jacksonville. I think you get a big Chris Jones moment. The rest of the unit plays pretty well and and I think this like has to be a, a recalibration game for the offense. They just look so out of sorts. Uh, but I don't like using the Chiefs can't start 0-2 as logic for picking a game because that feels like kind of a trap. Uh, but that's that's where I stand. I, I think the Chiefs win this one by about a touchdown. I'll uh, I'll give the points and and take the uh, take the surge from the Chiefs offense. Another another solid day for the uh, defense just to get some better offensive unit in uh, in Jacksonville. On the way to uh, to kickoff, by the way, that's at noon, starting at 8 o'clock over on Sports Radio 810 WHB. We have the Chiefs tailgate show that's there for you at 8. And then uh, Srin Petro and the gang with the uh, pregame coverage will take you all the way up to kickoff. I'll be around after the game. And then uh, even after that, you can listen to Sunday Night Football Dolphins versus Patriots on uh, 810 as well because Sports Radio 810 WHB is your home for the NFL in Kansas City. So you can listen there. And uh, also, we got games over on e- on uh, ESPN Kansas City, my oldest stopping grounds. Uh, and you can uh, you can check out uh, Jets-Cowboys there at 3 and then Sunday Night Baseball after the game, then Sunday Night Football on 810. Okay, there we go. I think I got all the intel out there for you. Uh, Seth, any final words before Nate takes it away? I really do love America, guys. Like, look, I wouldn't overdo it, honestly. I would just leave it where it's at. I would not commit too hard at this point. I don't want to sing the song again, Seth, but I, I'll do it. I'll do it. All right. No, nothing further. <laughs> All right, that's it from our comrade Seth Kaiser. Nate, take it away. <laughs> All right. Uh, if you made it this far, as always, thank you. you. Guys, I got some news that we can break. Uh, that is that is that is that is very it's very warm in my heart. Now, a uh, little bit of a backstory, but this is for us. This is for our audience and the loved ones of those who listen. But look, it's it's a great time. I was doing some reporting yesterday uh, somewhere in Kansas City, not at the Chiefs facility, for hopefully a story you read on The Athletic in a couple of weeks. But after that reporting, I saw Max and his wife, Chloe. I saw Max. I've seen Max the last two years at training camp in St. Joseph. Uh, they were having a lovely dinner at a great establishment in a place that is very nice in Kansas City. And they informed me 
that they are having their first child. And they found out earlier today, ladies and gentlemen, that they are having a baby boy. So I want to give a lovely Only Weird Game shout out. Max, only Weird Babies. To Chloe. That's right. Only Weird Baby Boys. Yeah. Um, Someone with a million of them, they all are really weird. Kids are weird. It's gonna they're gonna yes. they're gonna have great taste in podcasts. That's fantastic. Yeah. So Max used uh his wife's phone to reach out and say obviously we feel honored that you would want to include this on only weird games uh so thank you for you guys and the work that you do totally understand if you don't see this by the time you record uh i saw it (laughs) (laughs) uh he says i haven't used twitter in years but obviously uh love listening to us so if you would like to tell your family members of the sex of your Incoming first child on Only Word Games. We are happy to do it, guys. We My only question now, I mean, first name, middle name. I think I think Nathaniel Joshua, whatever their last name is, sounds great. Seth, I don't, I don't know. Maybe they'll have another one? You know, I've had so many opportunities to name children after myself and haven't <laughs> I haven't capitalized. <laughs> so I'm o i am I'm okay. The world doesn't really need a lot more Seths as we Thoroughly demonstrated during the last hour and ten minutes. But yes, if you if you would like to give, uh, I, I think I think Max told me that uh, legitimate friends and family were going to find out uh, this important news <laughs> via <laughs> podcast via YouTube live. So Max Hill, Chloe Hill, love you all. Uh, congratulations again, baby boy. It's uh, I got to tell you guys, it's it's a ride. It's it's such a ride to have a to have a boy. Such a ride. It's the best worst thing ever. Yeah. But you don't even have to worry about what to name him. So again, I feel like we've done our part. 